0: are going to discuss something that's been bugging the crap out of me for quite a long time and it comes down to this I want to know what if Elid Kachogi was paid to attempt the marathon record barefoot and uh yeah so you know obviously my thought process is this um Nike throws a buttload of money at this guy to wear their shoe. And in so doing, setting a world record, the world is taken by storm. Now everybody wants to buy that shoe or some similar uh, inclination of that shoe from Nike. So it's money well spent by Nike. And I have to tell you, Blue, I'm not sure. We're going to discuss it, but I think honestly, if you just let the guy run, as a matter of fact, if you put the money out there, you say, look, we're going to pay you, I don't know what he gets paid by Nike. Let's just say it's a million bucks. We're going to pay you a million bucks just to set the record, and we want you to do it barefoot. Do you think he'd take that bet?
1: Ooh, that's a hot topic. <laughs> Man, I, it's like, if you could train for it and get his feet able to deal with the, the pavement, like I, why wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I like, I can't wait to get more into this because the reasons would be why and and how. But it's it's sort of like Bekele winning the gold medal barefoot back in, what was it, uh, 64, I think it was? Yeah. And then he came back with the gold medal the next Olympics with shoes on, but the times weren't that different, which is interesting.
0: No, no. You know? Well, so uh, here's the thing. Now, people are sitting in their cushy little homes with their puffy little feet they're thinking there's no way, he takes his shoes off, he's screwed, right? But they're not taking into context the fact that the guy was raised in Kenya. And, you know, he ran to school, and I looked it up, I wanted to know. It's two miles to school each way, he ran to school, and I can't, I wasn't there, but I don't want to bet you money when he was a kid, it was barefoot. And, you know, when you grow up this way, when you when you live the life of, you know, a barefoot person, and it's not a big stretch for you to run across. I have. I, I used to make jokes about the, the my neighbor kid across the street from me. I don't know how long he was, must have been four years old, something like that. He's rip. I mean, you got a couple of kids, you know this. He's ripping yeah. across the street through pavement sidewalk, doesn't think about it at all, barefoot, never, never a care in the world. You know, he's not like oh, well, wait a minute, I should be, be putting my shoes on before I try this. <laughs> it's not like that at all. You know, he's just running. And by the way, with perfect mechanics, absolutely impeccable mechanics, because nobody screwed them up, right? Yeah. And so let's take it from that perspective. Let's say that you grew up up and down the mountains, on trail primarily, because that's probably where you live, uh, uh, unincorporated areas where there's not a lot of paved roads, and if they are, they're kind of beat up anyway, and you're barefoot. And so putting on... A shoe, mind you, a shoe that's got a lot of stack height, a lot of cushion, and all these manifestations they create to try to improve your running mechanics, try to improve on what God made you, and and then uh, you know and then try to take over. It I just don't think it's it's a comfortable proposition. Um, so I I would I'd be willing to bet. I don't know that I'm going to throw a lot of money at it, but I'd be willing to bet that if they put the money out there, I I mean, today, let's just say today, they say, you know what, we're just curious to know, if you didn't wear those stupid shoes and we just let you run barefoot for a marathon, what would it look like? And I bet you'd take that bet all day long. And I bet you that if, if, let's let's say he didn't break two hours, I bet he'd be pretty damn close, right?
1: And I bet if you took... And you just put regular old school racing flats on them with no technology. just a little piece of rubber. You know, I think that, that like, I guarantee with it, just watching the human progression of marathon and all race times get faster and faster and faster, that, that progression's happening anyway. And then the shoes are taking all the credit for it when the athletes are just, they're putting more, they're, they're making more sacrifices. Everything in sport is getting taken to a higher level. And it's just so funny to watch the marketing behind this whole thing. I'm like, in the shoes, take all the credit. It's like,
0: That's, yes. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, and listen, you and I, um, you know, we've known each other quite a long time. And I, I'm, not, I'm not here pounding the drum for barefoot running. I'm just suggesting that the influences that are, that are imposed upon you by a shoe do not have not nobody's proven so far that by the little gimmicks that they throw into these shoes you're going to become a faster runner and there's a lot of people that want to believe and i've been hearing a lot of people talking about the 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 carbon fiber shank that they're putting in the shoe now and they're getting some some bounce out of this thing um and uh you know years ago i mean when we were doing things with newton they they used to you know, I I have a cutaway of one of their shoes because I used to sell them in my place. Had a little carbon um, plate in there under the yep. forefoot, right? <clears throat> and yep. uh, th- their their interest was to cause the surface that you come down on to be firmer. They weren't looking yep. for any kind of response from it other than to basically become a firmer surface. Um, and, yep. th- and I think the the the, the f- the falsehood in all of that is that you've got this little wafer of carbon, but beneath that, you got those lugs and that's soft. That's supposed to kind of like let you know that you're landing in the right spot. And then, so all that that fluffy stuff between you and the ground is where problems start to, to arise. And yeah. and I, I'm never gonna get a shoe sponsor ever, unless somebody one day gets ballsy enough to create the right kind of shoe and never decides to change it. You know, the biggest frustrations yeah. people have with, with shoe manufacturers is as soon as they settle into something they like, they change it.
1: Right? Yeah. And that the closest thing Nike ever came to having a decent shoe or shoe line was the Nike Free, which they've canceled. Right. But that shoe allowed your foot to go through the natural range of motion. It wasn't giving you much more than a little padding. Um, it had that pattern on the bottom that the uh, the sole itself the sole itself was cut up so that it would flex you know in every direction, so the shoe was really just n- doing nothing more than patting the foot, um, but you know of course that's that's gone.
0: Well, yeah, and the only thing the only thing um, that I would take exception well, a couple things I would take exception to in that particular shoe was they came to that little point in the front like all the rest of the shoes do, yeah. and I've I've been arguing this point for a long time where, you know, your, your big toe is out here, man. It's not up here in the yeah. middle. It's not there. So if you're kind of controlling the design of the shoe, you should try to conform the shoe to your foot, not try to get yeah. your foot to conform to the shoe, which yes. is a problem.
1: And, and big toe strength and activation and tibialis activation helps dorsiflexion, hamstring activation, all the way up to kinetic chain. So, I mean, having a strong big toe and the ability to flex that it's huge for for the way everything the entire range of motion happens and I mean well it, not only that really... but
0: it, 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 take it a step further you're referring to the windlass mechanism which is basically where when you flex that great toe you you uh, you tension your plantar fascia which supports yep. your midfoot and oh blah da blah, 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 right up the kinetic chain you're starting to improve your your mechanics you're you're more stable you have more force production off the ground but so and then, if you, if you take a little too much squishy material between you and the ground, all bets are off again. Because that, that influence of, of you trying to di- identify where the ground is um, through that material is a problem. So I, I've told people a million times, look, I'm not going to tell you what shoe to buy. I want it to be, I don't want it to influence you. I don't want the shoe to be designed in such a way that uh, it cramps your toes or it tries to teach you to do something. I don't want any, any, um, um, I forgot what they call it, um, where they're putting stuff under the arch. Um, Yeah. 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 They put that, that, that last, um, a stiff last underneath there that try to hold your arch up. You know, whenever you try to get in the way of what the muscles are trying to do, you, you you make the muscles weaker. Right. So I I just, I don't know. And, And so, the potpourri of stuff that's gone into the shoe that Kipchoge wore uh, during that during that uh, amazing achievement. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'd I venture to say that if they just let him run with a shoe that really works for him rather than a shoe that, that really works for them, <laughs> he probably would have even got faster. He probably would have even got faster.
1: Well, can we talk about what they're trying to achieve from the shoe I think like from my understanding the idea of a soft cushion is the mitigation of impact forces right so you're trying to like you're trying to like allow for less damage to the body that's what I've heard so many times from from Nike and other companies that are that are trying to innovate this whole thing and then they're giving the the force that you're that you lose by mitigating the impact you've got to replace it with something so that carbon fiber plate basically is like an energy return system so you're basically losing force production with a soft foam and you're giving it back with the carbon fiber plate so you're basically trading force right like you're losing it and then you're giving it back what's the point of the
0: whole thing it's like well it, but first it of all make- it's 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 not true okay by putting that cushion between you and the ground you're not mitigating impact forces i'm sitting here looking at the research study that we just discussed a few moments ago where they compared barefoot runners to shod runners that had cushioned soles and the impact forces were, were really no different. It's just that because the barefoot runners are more in tune, their, their afferent feedback they're grabbing from the ground causes you to be sharper. You're, you're proactive to the next step rather than being reactive. So when you land on that cushion, you're, you're getting a false uh, positive from the ground. You're not really feeling what the ground's doing until late. And then the reaction of the stiffening of the leg is also late. And so, it's. Mm-hmm. and I use, I've used this analogy a million times. It's like, if I go to punch you in the face and then you duck after I punched you, right? You know, that's, that's what you're doing. You, you're, you're responding, but you're late. Where mm-hmm. when, you, when you're sharp, when you're having this impact force translate from your central nervous system back into your feet and everything up the kinetic chain in a proactive stance, you're going to be a lot, lot more capable of dealing with that impact force, and so it's not true. It just is not true. I mean, I've seen, I've seen so many different studies where they measured the force plate uh, measurements with what's the guy's uh, Daniel Lieberman back in the day, uh, right there yeah. in you know the 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 gospel book written by yeah. Chris McDougal. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Lieberman showed force plate uh, measurements on shod and unshod runners, and the impact forces clearly were greater in the shod runners than they were in the, in the uh, barefoot runners. And again, really? so I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to sell barefoot running, I'm going to say it again, but I, I just don't want to see someone try to take people down Primrose Lane with all this gadgetry in the shoe and, and lead them to believe that they're going to be in a better place for having purchased those shoes. And,
1: and so huh? <laughs> at the cost and saying as well, it's just, well, no, so, so yes, yeah,
0: but so look at, look at the, you know, the, the way this all came about, right? Chris McDougall writes a book on Born to Run. Everybody goes out and buys those five finger shoes, right? Or boat slippers or whatever they're called. So now they're all drinking the Kool-Aid. And they're, they're trying to be a Taramahara Indian, you know, they're trying to find it, sandals, the whole thing, right? And they're, oh, yeah, this makes perfect sense to me. And so everybody went down that road, right? And then all the shoe manufacturers started getting into more minimal design. New Balance came up with a more minimal design. Nike was, like you're talking about the Nike Free, they kind of tiptoed into it but never really committed themselves to it. And, you know, all the other brands, they all kind of got into that minimal design. And then Hoka came along. With the stack height. They say, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, you can't be in that angle because that angle causes your center of mass to be in front of you or your your center of balance to be in front of you. So it encourages heel striking or overstriding. We don't want to do that. Blah, 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 blah. So they say, oh, we're going to get zero drop. So now everybody's on this rant about a zero drop. And they go, well, everybody's doing zero drop. What's our marketing position? We're just going to put it off the ground a little higher. So you got zero (laughs) drop. You got zero drop and a whole bunch of cushion between you and the ground, and yeah. you know, and I'm sure everybody looked at it, go, wait a minute, that's kind of stupid, you know. That we we're trying to get closer to the ground, but yeah. then the sales started going going whack because you know it was a it was a novel idea. Oh yeah, well I'm in zero drop, so my balance point's going to be better, but um, it hurts, you know, when I try to land that way. So I need the cushion, right? I need the Cadillac between me and the ground. So Honka started killing it. And then, I mean, I know this to be true because I, I was a dealer for some of these companies and I'm not going to use the brand names too, too quickly, I don't think. I might, I'm probably going to dump it pretty soon. But <laughs> uh, then I've seen these brands that I mean to tell you, okay, screw it. Ultra. <laughs> Ultra. <laughs> there it is. Listen, Ultra, when they came out, when they came out of the box, the very first shoe they made, I thought, man, that thing looks like something Elmer Fudd might wear, right? Yeah. It was the ugliest thing. I said, I don't even, I'm, I mean, I sold them and I was thinking, I don't know. I just, this whole thing looks so weird because yeah. it was the first shoe that really, you know, got on top of that broad toe box, right? And yeah. the, the, the sole was firm. So he had good protection, but the zero, uh, zero drop. So there was, there was no, no lift in the heel. And it, it was golden. I mean, the, the first shoe they made was the best shoe they made. And then their company started doing really well with that because that was kind of the new thing, you know, broad toe box, zero drop. Everybody was like, they were they were ticking the boxes, right? And then somewhere along the way, I, I have to believe that somebody that is vested in, you know, the board of directors, invested in the company, started looking at the numbers that Hoka was putting up. They said, we need to do something. So they start going in that that battlefield where they start raising the the shoe further and further and further off the ground. yep. And you know what? I said, screw it. I can't do business with these people anymore. I can't buy that shoe. Right. They still kept a couple. They still kept a couple to this day. They still have a couple that I could still live with. Yeah. But they have a lot of them in there that confuse people. Yeah. So I went to Topo Athletic. Topo Athletic. Their design was all, I mean, there should have been some patent infringements on the, on the design because it was identical in design to what uh, Ultra was doing in the very early days. Guess what? They're doing it too. Now they got the big f- fuddy duddy shoe with the. I'm like, come on, man, you're driving me crazy. And so here's what happens. Here's what happens. I see people on a regular. You know this. I, you do too. I see people on a regular basis that come to me for advice on how to run, and most of them are coming not for performance reasons, but because they're injured. They've got yeah. you know something. there's this nagging injury. Every time I get past twenty miles, my shins go off. My knee goes off. My IT band, plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis. You just a garden variety of injuries that go off because they're just running badly, right? Yeah. And so somebody, their buddy tells them, hey, look, wear these puffy shoes. They're gonna help you. They don't, um, but they're, they're desperate. They're trying anything. And um, But they come and see me and I explained to them what we just discussed. I said, look, you need to get closer to the ground. You need to have protection, but you don't want the shoe to get in your way. You want your foot to do what it's designed to do because it's smarter than the shoe manufacturers are, right? Yep. And just let your foot do what it does. And you know yeah. this, too. I mean, I'm going to get ahead of myself and assume you get somebody out on an infield of a football field that's like an a, um, astroturf or something where it's really pristine, and you take their shoes off, they run perfectly. Mm. You almost don't have to tell them anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because the feedback they're getting from their feet is putting them exactly where they're, they're not running on their heels anymore. Right? Yeah. Um, so I just want to get them closer. and So they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I mean, they might go as far as the first pair of shoes they buy is something that I might have recommended to them. And here's where the here's where I really get screwed. It's like, then I'll see something on social media like six months later, eight months later, and they're wearing one of those idiotic shoes again. The marketing the marketing genius finally got to them. The you know, like it's like it's like it's insidious. It's like eating at you, you know, eating at you. Yeah. What
1: if? works let me try it I, i'm guilty i've done it i was like i've experienced it i know
0: yeah i can't do it man i can't well i take it back i did once i did once and this is a long time ago and i have a friend who remains nameless that is he's he works for hoka and he's in the design field he's he's, he's into the whole design thing he calls me up and said dude you got he goes i know i know i know i know how you are and whatever but I got this shoe. I want you to try it. I'm going to send you a pair. It was one of the first iterations of the Hoka bastard shoe. I don't remember yeah. the name. And I thought, well, okay, you know, he's a good guy. I'm going to will give it a shot. He sent me the shoe, right? I went outside. I got a half a block. And I, I was scared. I, I mean to tell you that I was so unsure of what I was doing that it scared me. I turned, yeah. I turned right around, went home, put them back in the box, told my wife to sell them. And she, she put them on eBay or something, and we got rid of them. $500. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But yeah. so, um, again, getting back to the argument, the argument is what if, what if somebody threw some money at Kipchoge and said, hey, look, we happen to believe that it is not the shoe. That you're that is leading you to success. We believe that if you're just left to your own devices, if you just take take whatever time you need to train for it, like you did for Nike. Matter of fact, go all the rest of the stuff they did for him. You know, getting his nutrition organized and all the testing and diet and whatever, uh, hydration strategies and all that. Keep all that. You know, that's all good stuff. Keep yeah. all that. Just take the freaking shoes off. And same Mm -hmm. drill, find your pristine environment to run in. I mean, they find, they find the most premium place to do this. Right. Yep. And same, same course. Try it again, barefoot.
1: I mean, even for me, it's like, even without just the high tech, you know, elevator shoes, whatever those are, the spacewalkers. I mean, even just some old racing flats is, is it would be an as interesting. I mean, well, not quite as interesting because the, the only thing for me would be like is the bottom of his foot would it would he be able to build the calluses enough up in X amount of time? I mean, he'd have to take like I feel like it would take a, a year to really get a proper callousing back on his foot after but being. See,
0: I don't know, um, man. I mean, you and I both, you know, our dear friend who's passed away, Alberto, who what? Yeah, the Alberto. world record for the most. The most barefoot runs of any human being. Guinness book of world record, right? Yep. Now, his feet weren't real pretty, but they weren't scarred up either. I mean, it was and oh, yeah. what was that other dude's name that used to be was Ted? Somebody who was the guy Todd Byers. Huh? Todd Byers. The guy hey, that Todd. came out, he came out to one of our clinics and, and you know, I was really curious to look at this his feet. Right. And, and his feet looked looked perfect. I mean, they didn't look any different right. than mine. And yeah. I don't know how many bar- marathons he had run at that point in time, barefoot, on pavement.
1: Yeah, um, there's a, a famous barefoot runner, barefoot Julian, I believe his name is. I was running San Francisco Marathon relatively fast, probably in the top 20, crossing the bridge around the halfway point, And I catch up to this guy wearing short shorts and nothing else. Huge curly hair, just flying, young guy in his 20s. And I come up next to him and I'm like, man, you're freaking crazy. And he goes, you're freaking crazy. And this guy was like a 240 marathoner and he could knock off 240 marathons on the road on challenging courses any day of the week. Built like a, just a, a Scottish warrior. Um, but yeah, it was, it was funny because he's like, yeah, you're crazy. And I remember it was, a,
0: was he barefoot?
1: Barefoot, yeah. Barefoot 240 guy, like all day, every day. I mean, that was his thing. Um, well, I don't funny. believe,
0: yeah. I don't believe it's a function of needing callus calluses are going to save you if friction is involved in your ground contact. Right. So when you start scuffing the ground, then you got a problem, right? And then you probably build calluses to try to abate those that friction. Yeah. Um, but when you land well, you don't have that friction. Yeah. So and I think that when you're more sensitive to the way you're landing, you're more you're more inclined to do the right things and not need it. I, I I would venture to say that they probably don't need I mean it's not like if you go check all these Barefoot runners in Africa, you're going to find all these big calluses on their feet. I don't think that's the case at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, one of my friends, Prince Mumba, two-time Olympian in the 800 meters, he sends shoes back to Africa, back to Zambia where he's from. And in Lusaka, they don't have any shoes. You know, they're, they're, They don't have much at all. And it's funny to watch. He'll send me videos when he brings the shoes back. These kids are sprinting on the track, on the track surface. It was pretty rough. And I mean, they're doing like, you know, they're doing fast workouts and some will have like crocs on their feet that don't fit. Some, most of them though are barefoot. And it's interesting because it's not as if the guys winning in, in the workouts or the races are the ones with shoes on. Not at all. Right. Like the yeah. barefoot guys, there's more barefoot than 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 shod, And it, yeah, it's not the shoes are definitely not the the. um I guess that, yeah, it just shows that it's, it's neat. It's equal either way. Basically.
0: Well, I am with you. Uh, the racing flat would be a good design. And, and, you know, it's funny cause I used to, you know, I'm a geek. I used to go to these high school, um, track meets and I see these kids that are wearing these fancy, uh, spikes that they're, you know, I'm sure that like Billy got a pair of these really bitching spikes so everybody's got to have that that particular spike, you know, whatever it costs. Parents just do it, right? And they're not even yeah. running with with uh, the spikes. They're landing on their heels on, on the track. And I'm sitting there going, hello, do you notice or... those things in the front? That's for you to, you know. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, the coach is standing there watching. He's not saying a word about it. Because uh, he has it, no idea. <laughs> yeah. So, but the point is, is that – um they would run uh, when they're competing, they put on the the track spikes or the racing flats. And then when they go out on the road yeah. and train the the shoe is polar opposite, some big heel, whatever, and it it's contrary because now you're confusing your feet. Your feet don't even yeah. you know one day it does this and one day you're asking it to do something else and and it doesn't it doesn't bode well. Uh, I've yeah. told people a million times said look, whatever you design whatever design shoe you end up with, Try to be consistent with it, no matter what you do. You know, I'm going to go to a race this weekend, uh, uh, the Nashville Spartan. Uh, I hadn't been there yet. This first time for me since I moved. And I know what's going to happen. All, all the people that are racing are going to wear a trail shoe that the majority of them are going to wear a trail shoe that are zero drop and very minimal in design. Um, yep. And then when they train, they're wearing something completely different. They put on some big Moken, you know, puffy shoe and they get out there and, you know, swing for the fences. Right. Yep. And uh, so and, and, you know, they could be heel striking. They could be running (laughs) around in their cushy shoes on their heels. And then when they change to the minimal shoe, they do the same thing. And then they don't know why they're getting hurt. You know, they think it's well as a shoe. I got to keep wearing the other puffy shoe. That's, you know, so. Yeah. anyway I this is this this is like therapy for me right uh, get, getting a chance <laughs> to actually rant you're gonna get about, you know about this because I honestly I, if there's anybody out there that's watching this right now I'm dying to hear what they're thinking about whether or not they think that the uh, forget about Kachogi, let's just talk about across the board these African runners you know you know what happens tell me tell me one guy that you know, it's a sub-215 marathoner that doesn't have a shoe sponsor.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, watching, like, um, Scott Fobbs and these guys and Flagstaff and, you know, the up-and-coming generations, um, it's – a lot of them don't have a shoe sponsor in the beginning and they achieve that level without the sponsor, running whatever the hell they get their hands on for whatever reason. Um and then they get the shoe sponsor and then it's funny because it's not as if they just they fancy shoe and then they start running that much better. It just doesn't happen, you know.
0: No, you're not, but my, you're not seeing them. yeah. My point being is that when you start looking at the elite fields, these guys have shoe sponsors, right? Because the, yeah. the, the manufacturers are trying to get their brand out there in, in the populace on somebody that shines, right? Yeah. And and so if if I approach you, you know, you worked for Nike for so many years. If I approached you and I said, look, um, we think you're a great athlete and we think you're going to do great things and we're going to support you and we're going to give you, you know, let's just say we're going to give you five grand a month. And this is the shoe we want you to wear. And we're going to give you a bonus every time you win a race. You're wearing that freaking shoe, right? Because you're thinking, come hell or high water, I want that five grand and I could probably still run pretty well in it, you know. It might even hurt your feet. But you'll you'll wear it, you'll wear it.
1: Remember, Meb getting dropped by Nike because he wasn't performing for a couple of years. Wins Boston. I think it wasn't even wearing Skechers. Remember the Skechers?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's it just goes to show. Like, I mean, and that shoe. There wasn't much to it. That was it was a very simple. I mean, they were not putting a lot of. They didn't have a lot of money to throw at those shoes. You know, one. Boston no, but to- I,
0: again, it's it's just people come, They're under the impression that oh my god, look at he's wearing and. And, you know, by the way, in in obstacle course racing, there's a new shoe brand. It's called VJ Shoes, right? VJ Shoes, right? And guess who they called first for a sponsorship deal? VJ, right? (laughs) VJ was an up and coming guy. He was winning, you know, shoe in for world championships. First call they made. And, you know, to his credit, the shoe was too narrow for him. He said, I can't can't do business with you. I can't wear this shoe. Because I will not win if I wear that shoe, right? Um, So what they did is they gave a pair of those shoes to everybody else. Everybody else that's top flight athlete in the sport, got a pair of VJs. And guess what? Everybody that saw the pros are wearing the VJs. Everybody went out and bought a pair of VJs, right? I've never put a pair on. I have no idea whether they're good or bad or indifferent. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to cast dispersion without having experienced it. Um, But just looking at the shoe uh, it, it hasn't drawn my attention for, for all the great, you know, virtue that it, it presents. It just, just ain't that big of a deal. Uh, yeah. it's actually pretty benign. It's, it reminds me of like, uh, like an old, uh, Nike Air or something, you know, without the sack, it's just, you know, a little bit, of, I think it's got like a four mil drop or something like that, you know, a little bit of, uh, stack height and, the toe box now is starting to get a little bit broader. I think they're kind of getting the, an inkling as to the, the need for that. But it's not that big a deal, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just I just think that the influence that's imposed on these athletes and the influence from the athletes that's imposed on the populace is just corrupt. And-
1: I agree. And I, I my personal experience in around 70 marathons – and going from like just your know, everyday running shoe, not knowing any better, up to like racing flats, and then watching this whole going through the minimalist era, and and doing stuff we did together with Newton um, and Ultra. Just I feel like I've seen it from so many different angles. And my personal PR was wearing the one of the most minimal shoes that I've ever seen, which was the, the the it was like a waffle racer of Nikes, which was the Flyknit Racer which they basically were, they had that, that knit technology where they had like a single piece of string knit together. But the sole was like, it was just this minimal sole. I remember of it, yeah. It. And they're supposed to just be sort of a fashion play for them. I did every one of my training runs, every one of my races over like a five or six year period in that shoe. And I was never faster and my feet were super strong. Um, and I have since run multiple marathons with the high stack height carbon fiber plate Did not get faster and I've been really fit going into those races as well and in my last race I wasn't training in the Nike um at all I was wearing Adidas um but I the shoe I was wearing with Adidas turned out to be illegal um so I switched to the Nike last minute and I every step I took in the Alpha Fly it felt I could I was consciously aware of the loss of force every step like that that padding that squishiness it was not it didn't feel like it, A, it didn't feel natural like we're talking about, but it, it felt like I was taking away my power, um, and I just didn't feel like that the plate was giving the power back, and so it just felt squishy. It felt like felt it just didn't feel good, you know. And I and I would I would never race in that shoe again, um, but it's definitely not the popular opinion right now. So yeah. it is interesting how many people all, like jump on the bandwagon because that's what everyone's doing. If you look at the elite field, they're all wearing these squishy shoes, and when you watch people standing in these shoes, oh my God, you're, they're rocking you're all, you're all over the place. Like you can't stand well, still. So, you're, so the have... other thing, yeah.
0: So the other thing that happens, let's say there's a corruption in the way you do move. Uh, let's just say, I, uh, just for sake of argument that you're, 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 you're landing on the outside edge of your heel. A lot of guys do that. Right. And you start to yeah. saw that off. Right. So you start to cut away at that soft material there and then it's, it's the problem is now exacerbated right yeah so you have this it, it results in late stage pronation you start to go way out to the outside then you dump in as you start to pass over your foot and now you're really digging hole right i've seen i don't know how many people wearing hookers running down a trail and me being behind them and see all the wobble going on the, uh, the pronation supination knees dumping in because they're just completely yep. unstable you know, yep. and so the other thing is, too, and, you know, the difference between being in a flat versus something like that is the the level of feedback you're getting from the ground, It, it if, if you have protection, you feel confident, you'll do, you'll take chances, right? And so in a shoe that provides you stability, provides you with uh, support, I want to say support meaning that if you hit a rock or something like that, you're okay. Um, yeah. But the polar opposite direction is when you're relying on this, you're all over the place. You don't even know what your foot's doing, right? And, you know, it brings me to this this study again. We didn't talk about this very much, but I'm looking at this study. And just just to let people know what I'm talking about, uh, this was a study I pulled up. It was in my archive, and I found it the other day, and I thought, I got to bring this out. It was a journal of sport and health at the University of Virginia. They did a survey. And it was, they referred to it as evidence from the field. So they talked to 509 people that were experiencing barefoot running, right? And I'm not going to go through this whole thing, but the, the highlights of this research show that um, the majority of the runners that were running barefoot, um, that were running barefoot because they were experiencing injuries, those problems went away. I'm sorry, 69%. The previous injuries they were experiencing before running barefoot went away. And they also did a a measurement of the impact forces between someone wearing a cushioned shoe and being barefoot. And there's no difference in the impact force. And it doesn't matter what surface you run on. Some people, we talked about this briefly. They're under the opinion that uh, running on pavement or concrete is bad for them. That hard surface is a problem for them. So they need to run on trails your body adapts, you get an adaptation to that, 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 uh, that surface, and you basically your body tunes to that surface. And uh, I had conversations, many conversations, incidentally, with Dr. Emily Spiegel years ago, about uh, this, this uh, um, preparation into a run, she'll, she'll have people take their shoes off and move around on the surface they're gonna run on barefoot, then put their shoes back on. Like then tuning their feet to the surface. Yeah. So so the idea being to be preemptive or preactive in their activity. And I thought, yep. how does that work? How can you how can you be preactive or proactive? And the thing that kind of finally stuck with me was, and I know you've done this before, so if you're trying to teach somebody a box jump, right? And yeah. let's say that we're taking it to a challenging level now. We're we're gonna do a 36-inch box jump, right? And you're standing in front of that box and you're looking at it and you're like trying to you're trying to get off the ground. You feel feel feet like feel like they're glued, right? You can't uh, uh, you can't quite you can't quite make the move because your brain's yeah. not allowed. It's not, I don't think so, buddy. I don't know. This ain't gonna work. Like it. Yeah. I would take somebody like that and have them step up onto the box and jump off of it. And do yeah. that maybe five or six times. And the the education that's gained from the distance and force that's applied, whether it be, yep. a, a, you know, absorbing the shock or creating the uh, impact force, you learn. And then next thing you know, you can do it. And, yep. and I've, I've done this so many times I can't even tell you where yep. somebody got stuck and, they you know, they're glued to the floor, got them up on the, on the box, brought them back down, put them back up, got them back down. I had a guy that used to work for me. I don't know. You remember bunny? Do you, do you ever? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you do. So there was uh, there was three brothers that used to work for me. They were CrossFit guys. Alex. His name was, uh, oh God, his name's escaping now. This little guy, we, we call him bunny cause he could, he could jump. Right. And I yeah. had those, those big, um, uh, they weren't truck tires. They were like a, some military vehicle tires yeah. in the back of my place. And when you stack them up, they went about six feet tall. And with yeah. a bit of a run, he could. He was only like 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 your height, about five six or so. He could jump up onto that stupid thing. Um, and the re the way he learned to do it was to get up on it and jump down. Get up on it, jump down. Finally, he he found his mark and was able to do it. But yeah. anyway, what we're talking about is impact forces and the way the body absorbs impact forces. And yeah. it isn't about cushion. If you're looking for cushion, it won't work.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's stealing something from every every time you take a step, but also just the way your body produces force to begin with. I mean, force applied equals velocity through space, right? Like right. biomechanics one says what we're trying to do is create more power and force and then apply it. Right. So if you're taking that away, and then giving it back in a different way or you say you are. It's, yeah, it's the waste of time.
0: Well, I, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm absolutely convicted that there's no good that comes from putting all that cushion underneath your foot. And yeah. it hurts my heart when I see people that are educated that sell their soul to, you know, bang the drum for some corrupt product like that and, and put it out there. I don't know.
1: Richard, I got to tell you, I was in a a lab, a Nike scenario in um, Chicago, and there was a a, a biomechanics, I think he, yeah, he's a biomechanics expert for Nike, and he was basically saying that they have no proof, scientific proof, that running or any specific thing in running causes any injuries. So they're basically saying, like, we don't know that running causes injuries, and we don't know how and what or why it does. So we can't make a shoe, really, that keeps us from getting injured. And I was just sort of like, man, Richard would love this one <laughs> because it's like these well, are the people but, that pretend to be their their experts, you know. And I, I yeah.
0: can assure you that it's kinematics. If you if you keep getting injured, there's something that you're doing wrong, because your body's designed to do this. It's 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 yeah. appropriately designed to to move through space efficiently. And yeah. if you're inefficient in your action, you will find injury. And yeah. I, I I just chase it down. Somebody comes to me. I have people do it all the time. You probably do it too. They, they call you on the phone and they tell you what hurts. And I can already start drawing the picture. I can yeah. almost start looking at what they're doing wrong that would cause that type of injury. Yeah, I, I don't even, almost 90% of the time, I don't even really need to see it. I mean, I do yeah. see it, but in my mind, I'm like, I know what it is. And they're like, really? Yeah. You know, how could you possibly, because I've seen this, I've seen this many, many times before. And you're showing me, you're telling me your complaints are very similar to other people that suffer the same consequences. Yeah. So
1: anyway, take the shoes off. I I think if you're not going to, like you've said, you're not a proponent of, you're not, you're not selling just barefoot running necessarily, but I think even just training some of the time barefoot on the right surface is good. And then I think just getting Say, as much as you can i think well by the way, way so
0: let me be clear i do recommend to clients that they do run barefoot on occasion yeah and you know obviously in appropriate surfaces like i mean in my training programs i you know I, I point out look i want you to walk the area that you're going to run in to make sure yeah. there's nothing there that's going to hurt you right yeah and when you're pretty confident that the, pl- the space you're going to run in is clear then yeah i'd like you know i've had guys I had a guy with, uh, actually more than one, but I had this one guy in particular that comes to mind. He would, uh, he had the worst case of plantar fasciitis. It was just not going to go away. And I'm going to tell you, when that gets on you, you know, it's it's a bear to get rid of, right? Yeah. And this guy was really, really hurting, you know, and uh, his girlfriend actually was training with him. I was training, I was coaching them both. She was doing really, really well. He was doing really, really poorly. He couldn't run. And I said, look, when she's running on the track, I want you to take your shoes off and run on the on the grass, infield. And he did. And I asked him, I said, so when you're running barefoot on the grass, does it hurt? He said, no. I said, so it doesn't hurt when you take your shoes off and you're running on the grass. He goes, nope, it doesn't. I said, all right. Um, so that's what you're going to do for a while. It got cold, right? So he wasn't going to go out there in the cold and the barefoot. So he started running on his treadmill at home barefoot. Mm and he put in a lot of time on the treadmill barefoot and i think almost a year transpired and this but by this time he's no longer hurt he calls me and says he wants to come see me to, because he wants to do a gate evaluation i said great he goes do you mind if i take my shoes off mind you the guy flew from from uh um san antonio texas to la to see me and he says can i take my shoes off i said well I assume we're going to get up to some pretty good speed. You sure you want to do that? He goes, "Oh, no, I do it all the time." And I didn't even know. He didn't he never told me that. Man. And he got on the treadmill and was running like a deer, barefoot, right? And yep. so I videoed it. And I now I got really curious. I said, "So let's let's see what happens when you put your shoes on." And I videoed him with his shoes on, with his shoes off, and there was carryover. So when he put the shoes on after running barefoot, he actually ran pretty well in his shoes. He goes, well, I only yeah. wear my shoes when I race or when I'm outside. He goes, I don't generally wear, you know, all my training indoors is, is barefoot. Yeah. And supplemental, it's been great. So can I tell you, when I have people that are suffering from issues like that, I take the shoes off them. Yeah. And, and I usually, you know, as, as, you know, rock tape, I'm wearing this, I, I get involved in with some homeopathic treatments, I should call them. And mm-hmm. we, we we do a good job with that too, but At the end of the day, um, the quick fix is just get the shoes off. Yeah. And stay barefoot as much as you can. Your kids are probably barefoot all the time, aren't they?
1: All the time. And if people want to see proof of this, Dr. Mark Kukuzela, right? He's an Air Force Reserve Lieutenant Colonel, um, but just like a movement maniac. I think he has like 10 sub-230 marathons, a lot like myself, except he has a lot of the barefoot stuff. And he's got amazing video online of, different paces on regular paved road running you know sub six down I think 5 thirty five 15 pace barefoot and you you watch it and you're like oh yeah that looks totally natural and
0: he so, looks yeah. his running form is impeccable he runs perfectly and you know he spends like you say he spends a lot of time barefoot and he owns yep. a running shoe shop right so I'm um, yeah that uh, what is it called twin rivers or something like that
1: yeah it's um, West Virginia I think Somewhere in the East me.
0: Coast. I forget where. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean I'm with you. I did an interview. I did a podcast with him. I I, I know. Yeah. Um We've been doing it a long time, you know. Yeah. Well, again, I, I'm not I'm not here saying, Hey everybody, take your shoes off and run barefoot. Um, because your pink little feet won't like it. You <laughs> you need to condition yourself. I'm barefoot yeah. as we speak, I'm sitting here barefoot. Hey, I same wear, here. Yeah. I wear shoes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I wear shoes when I leave the house. Yeah. If, I, if I'm home, I don't have shoes on. Uh, I
1: grew up in a flip-flop culture and like, I will do trail hikes, runs, run. I mean, I'm always in flip-flops and you know, it's, my feet are strong and yeah, I do a lot of beach runs too on the, on the sand, um, all barefoot. So, and I have for, I mean, for 20 years. So, yeah.
0: At the end of the day, uh, I think we got our message across. I'm really curious to see if anybody has any feedback. Uh, I can take it if they're criti- They want to be critical. Um, don't blame Blue. It's all my my fault. And uh, <laughs> Blue, it's a pleasure seeing you. Uh, very just, yeah. very excited for you. Got another kid on the way.
1: Three boys.
0: That's yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know you need to get a farm.
1: I know, and man. Get, get one the of them to going. milk
0: the cow. The other one to feed the chickens. and The other one to Plow the field.